What a time to be a beer lover in Melbourne, Australia. If you're listening to this in real time, it is Good Beer Week and we're all very excited in our little craft beer community which is getting a little bit bigger each year and so many wonderful events. A couple of things before we get into the episode proper. First off, I need your help. Let's get this podcast to as many people as we can, particularly during Good Beer Week. It's a great time to talk about it with your friends, see what their six beers that changed everything were, but also grab the phone or device or whatever they listen to the podcasts on, download it for them, make sure they're aware of it, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of those things, Uh, rate on iTunes, all those nice things, and I can keep providing this lovely little podcast for free. Secondly, I've started another podcast, uh, which is kind of a nostalgic walk through sporting history. It's called The Wheel of Sport, and I make it with my good friend, Justin Price. We just have an absolute ball making it. We talk about a moment in sporting history, and then uh, in the post-edit, I put some of the commentary and things like that from the actual event uh, so it really brings it to life you should definitely listen it's called the wheel of sport it's available wherever you get your podcasts we're only a couple of episodes in it's very young on the turnstile network which is a very new sports network in melbourne so make sure you have a listen i'll put the link in the show notes and hopefully i'll see you around for good beer week I'll definitely be at the Gabs Festival, so keep an eye out or an ear out for this voice and um, make sure you introduce yourself, say hello. Uh, And this is a very appropriate episode because Cassie O'Neill is from Stomping Ground and the team at Stomping Ground are the team behind the local tap house who are the team behind Gabs, which is kind of the flagship event for Good Beer Week now which takes place in the exhibition buildings where Australia was created in 1901 and now it's the scene of a wonderful beer festival and a celebration of the more quirky, inventive, creative side of beer in Australia. So here we go, Cassie O'Neill, Stomping Ground. Let's get into it. Well, welcome, Cassie O'Neill, to the Chosen Brew podcast. Well, before we talk through the six beers that changed everything, uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and, well, the many things that you do go. (laughs) (laughs) The many things that I try to do. Uh, (laughs) um, I am Cassie O'Neill. I am the brewery rep for Stomping Ground Brewery. I am Irish, not Canadian or American, as most people think. I um, have It been was one of the questions on my list to ask which part of Canada you're from. Yeah, I get it all the time. I don't know what it is. I, I, I think I'm a bit of a mutt accent. I've been here for like seven and a half years and um, somehow I've managed to not really have any Irish friends here. I'm not saying that that's completely on purpose, but uh, yeah, did move to the other side of the world for a reason. Um, but yeah, I've been here for about seven and a half years, been in the beer industry oh, probably five and a half, six years-ish. I started as a bartender at the local tap house, which is obviously, um, you know, one of the kind of leading craft beer bars in Australia, and especially back then, um, and became a manager there. And then 
um, when Stomping Ground opened, moved across, and I am the rep now, so do lots of representing and uh, attending events and looking after external, everything Stomping Ground external, pretty much. Now, that sounds like a remarkably broad brief. You kind of have to like spread yourself thinly over lots of different things or um day to day it's mostly looking after customers um and then when it's uh, like is incoming good beer week um there's a range of different things that you're doing um with events and um podcasts and beer degustations and lots of talking about beer and lots of drinking beer during good beer week i suppose Stomping Ground and the Tap House, the, the team are behind Gabs, which is the really at the it's at the back end of the last weekend of Good Beer Week. Yep, that is a terrifying prospect because it's such a big event now, and it's also got legs in other cities as well. Uh, how do you possibly? How does the team kind of pull everything together and still participate in Good Beer Week? with with smiles <laughs> um oh i could get in tr- trouble answering this question um i think it you know what it really amazes me is that for so many years guy and steve did it just and justin also by themselves like it's only this is only the second year that craig williams and uh, ruda came on board to actually do the organization like they did it for what was it four years five years just the three of them it blows my mind. I don't know how they did it. But um, now there is a, bit, a little more help on board. But now we have some other things going on. We've got a brewery. Um, so it is pretty manic. I'd like to say that it's actually quite funny because Craig and Ruda will tell you we're probably not, Stomping Ground are not the best exhibitors at Cavs. We can <laughs> we, we should be more organized. We don't have any excuse for not being as organized. But um we love it. I've worked every Gabs for the last five years um, before Stomping Ground. I used to manage the container bars and stuff, so it's kind of cool to see it now from a different um, department and to, to have a stand there and stuff. So I love it. It's, it's so much fun. And this year we're going to Sydney for the first time, um, so we're pretty excited about that too. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting. And you've also been over in New Zealand as well, is that Gabs took place in New Zealand? Yeah. Uh, Gabs is in Auckland. I haven't been. Um, but yeah, it's a whole different thing over there. I think I think it's... So here it's like 80% Australian beers and 20% the rest. And in New Zealand it's 80% Kiwi beers and 20% the rest. So um, obviously they've got a couple of pretty good breweries over there. So uh, yeah, they don't need much help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely... Now talking of... Um, kind of your experience at the local tap house where you've got, what, 19 beers on tap, a cider, and then you've got Stomping Ground, which is all the beer you sell is brewed on site. Mm-hmm. What, it, what's easier logistically? Because you're obviously turning over a huge amount of beers in the local tap house mm-hmm. every week, but from different suppliers, mm. you know, um, logistically from a point of view of like even invoices and sending things out and just managing uh, the taps is it is it just a lot easier to have it all on site and be able to roll it around um with the bar here yeah that's obviously awesome we can keg something and roll it into the cool room and tap it up within you know 10 minutes it's pretty cool exercise and it's pretty cool to have beer that that's that is that fresh i don't think you get beer that fresh anywhere um so that's always really um fun here 
I, after working for at the tap house for so long, and they have like 450 different beers on tap a year, like that's one thing that I really miss is the, like I love stomping ground beers and we have a lot of selection here. Um, in our, in our uh, beer hall, we've got like 20 something beers on tap, but it's never going to be as many as they have at the tap house. And yeah, that was the best part of my job there was tasting all the different beers. We used to always say we thought, you know, we probably tasted more beers than anyone in Australia there. Um, and actually my six beers, I would say that most of them are beers that I tasted there and um, that I drank a lot of knockoffs of there. So, yeah. So what was it, when was the turning point where you really got a passion for beer? When, when was it? Was it pre-tap house? Was it, you know, you, you obviously got a job in the tap house for, for a reason. When was it, when did it actually tick over where you thought, actually, this is quite an important part of my life? <laughs> not, not to uh, overplay it. Uh, it was actually tap house. I kind of went into the tap house, like I had worked hospitality forever like since I was 16 and um, I was moving on from a a job and I needed another bar job and Justin Joyner who's the venue manager there um, his one of his good friends was my venue manager and he like kind of passed me along Um, and at the time my like beer knowledge was I mean I'd worked in hospitality for a long time so I knew some stuff but I was coming from Ireland seven and a half years ago there was no craft beer in Ireland whatsoever tell us a little bit about what beer looked like in Ireland at that point beer in Ireland looked like um if you had 10 taps I'd say nine of them were lagers and one of them was Guinness and well actually you might have had Kilkenny on as well but like mainstream lagers and like Coors Light Budweiser um, all the Irish classics Harp, which is <laughs> a very well, yeah. famous uh, Northern Irish lager which is not my cup of tea but um, yeah it was all lagers and tenants and yeah so maybe, maybe a Beamish if you're looking maybe a Beamish uh, maybe maybe a McCaffrey's or, and put it this way when I left Ireland of those ten taps two of them might be the same beer but one of them is extra cold which still to this day blows my mind. I I remember working in pubs that they were actually the exact same temperature, but people would sit at the bar and go, oh, I couldn't drink that normal tenants. I could only drink the extra cold. It's like, that's because you can't taste it. (laughs) It's a lot better. Because even Guinness did. Yeah, Guinness extra cold. cold. Guinness extra cold. Which which is so counterintuitive to... Oh, totally. Uh, anything really but absolutely very strange almost like drinking an ice cream it was, uh, it was very peculiar a very peculiar i don't really know if that's still a big thing over there the yeah, extra cold sure. but and it then was the, then they tried guinness in bottles as well with the widgets in a bottle yep. as well there's, mm. there's many many disastrous things that they've had a lot of marketing market. <laughs> they've had a lot of marketing things i remember one there was one thing in one of my favorite pubs in belfast which is called laveries and they had these tables that you basically like topped up a card and the tap was in the middle of the table and you could pour yourself Guinness all night so you would put like 50 pound on a card and you'd be there watching the football and you help yourself to this tap that was coming out of the middle of your table responsible service responsible of service of alcohol does not <laughs> does not exist in uh, where I'm from in Northern Ireland 
Yeah, you're only getting cut off if you're asleep. <laughs> and then it's just because you're being annoying. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're getting woken up so yeah, it totally. serve you to... Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> responsible service alcohol definitely happens at something ground. It does, absolutely. And the local house and uh, at, at the Gauss Festival and Good absolutely. Beer Week. It's very important we drink mm. responsibly. Special year for the tap house. You were at the 10th birthday party. <laughs> a very fine night was had by all. Uh, yep. A fairly long night a as well. very long night um, for some of us involved. Yeah. Uh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I'm still getting over that, I think. That was a very long night. It was an amazing night. It was actually, like, it was a bit emotional, I think, for all of us who worked there for so long. And, um, you know, some really nice words were said um, by Justin, Guy and Steve. And seeing people like James Smith, who has worked there for 10 years. Like, he's grown up there. He was 21 when he started there. Um like see him be honored and stuff was really really cool um and it's cool to have been um a part of that team it's a really special place i think and what what makes it special um they've had really good longevity with staff like i I know when i started at the time like and obviously it always goes up and down with hospitality but when i started there were like i was the first new person in you know six months or something um and yeah there's been people working there for six years seven years ten years um which is pretty cool and yeah you go there and especially as someone like myself who's not Australian you go there and you kind of become part of the family which is nice because it's kind of unheard of in hospitality absolutely it's like yeah most people are that oh, yeah. how long have you worked here six hours yeah and that's what's interesting about the the 10th birthday was that there was so many familiar faces so many mm. people who have served me drinks over the years yeah. and um and people who used to work there had come back for the party and yeah. all of those things which definitely shows that there's you know a relationship there as part of the the core I, and what have the team done to bring that to stomping ground as well which is a lot bigger than the tap house in terms of just size and volume mm. and also starting a brewery as yeah, well yeah how how do you maintain that kind of intimacy and that um your relationship mm. in that bigger venue yeah and that bigger space and arguably with a lot of people coming through the door who might be trying craft beer for the first time as well um sorry there was a lot of questions there i'm just gonna try and <laughs> take them one at a time um so the main thing was when this place opened that um I came over and uh Robbo came over who is one of our assistant brewers but they were they didn't want to rip the guts out of the local tap house. You know, they didn't want to take everything from there. Um, it was also really important, and I think you'll see if you go to the tap house, like, stomping ground is on a couple of taps. Like, it was really important for them to not turn it into a stomping ground pub. Um, they kind of are treated like any other customer, really, at the minute. Um, and, I mean, they worked for a really long time. It took us, like, a year and a half or something to get permits. Like, everyone was kind of, like twiddling their thumbs, waiting um, for this place to open. So um, Matt Marinich, who is our venue manager, is amazing. Um, He moved over uh, from WA with his family, and he's just like an epic venue manager. You know, I've worked, like I said, in hospitality for a long time, and he's just so organized, and everything he does back of house and front of house is what makes this venue so great. Um, And then Asher, our head brewer, obviously... um, Man, I think the beers speak for themselves. I think he's making some really amazing stuff. And the, our 
growth in such a short space of time has been, I think, taken all of us um, by surprise, but um, it's a really exciting time. We just started packaging in January, so um, I don't know. It's been crazy. I can't believe it's been like two years. It's been mental. And so you're the rep and the numbers are going through the roof, so you just take your foot off the pedal. That's how it works. (laughs) You can kind of, you can be in the thumb twiddling stage again. Oh, I wish. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, it's good. Well, it's hard because there's two of us, myself and Jai Glaskin, and um, like I said, the growth's been crazy. But I just, you know, I feel like I'm always chasing my tail. We, there are only two of us in all of Australia. You know, some breweries have reps in other states and stuff, and we're not really quite there yet. So. Um, there's always something going on. Well, it's nice. You've come yeah. all the way from Canada, so... I know, <laughs> I know. Yeah. So, well, yeah, here's us all through your six beers that changed everything. Um, let's start with your first beer. I feel like everyone who knows me would guess this. It is Rodenbach Grand Cru. And um, this is my favorite beer. This is my desert island beer. Every single time I drink it, I am amazed by it. Like, I just... I just love it. Um, this was the beer when at the Tap House, when I started at the Tap House, that really kind of changed everything, I guess. Um, I never tasted anything like it in my life. Um, it tasted like balsamic vinegar, and I was like, what is <laughs> this? And I, yeah, every time I drink it, I'm just amazed by the complexity of it. And it just has so many things going on you know it's got this acetic like vinegar like character and then it's really malty and it's got this amazing aroma um and yeah I've never tasted anything like it and I don't think I ever will again it's my it's my beer (laughs) that that is a big shout that is but it's never changed it's like my favorite movie since I was like I don't know what like in my early teens I'd have to double check that because I can't remember what year it came out in has been Goodfellas, and that has never changed. Like, other movies have come and gone, but Goodfellas is there for life, and Rodenbach, Grand Cru, is there for life. <laughs> and, so, and so do you ever mix the both? <laughs> oh, what? And watch Goodfellas and drink Rodenbach, Grand yeah. Cru? Yeah, and probably I with haven't. a Goodfellas frozen pizza in the oven. <laughs> oh, I haven't, but... That would be, that's a good idea. Maybe I should do that. I think yeah. so. Maybe you can yeah. have a special screen in somewhere. Yeah, maybe in one great. of the rooms at the tap oh, house. Maybe and you could do like an event. That would have been a good, good yeah, event. Good event. Like there you screening go. Screening <laughs> Goodfellas and drinking, I mean, yeah, drinking uh, Run Back Run Crew. Yeah. So whereabouts the, in your kind of beer journey chronologically does that fit in to? When I started at the tap house. Yeah. So um, whenever that was, four, four or five years ago. Um, and there were some other beers when I started there that I was like, wow, they're like nothing I've ever tasted. But um, that was the one that really sticks with me from, from that period. Excellent. And what do you think, obviously, at Stomping Ground, there's no bottling line. It's just nope. all cans. Yep. Preference? Obviously, you're the rep, so... Cans. No, preferences cans, for yeah. sure. If I look at my fridge at home, yeah. it's full of tinnies. I wouldn't, like, I literally never buy bottles unless it's, like, something barrel-aged or, um, like, 
I just don't buy hoppy beers in bottles anymore because I just don't think that the quality is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm obviously not alone in that thought. Um, but yeah, if it's something I can keep, like an Imperial Stout or uh, a Sour Beer or a Saison, bottles are fine. Um, but yeah, I try to avoid bottles when possible. Yeah. It's interesting because at the uh, one of the recent ale stars at the local tap house, uh, Stone and Wood, um, mm. were there, and they just uh, they were talking about how yeah. yeah how um, they've they're holding off on cans they, because yeah, yeah. they don't believe that for something their size that they're going to be able to scale up mm. uh, and maintain a quality yeah so there is an interesting I suppose when you when you're as big as stone and wood yeah. then probably other factors come in as well yeah, and totally. cost and yeah. all, all the rest so it's definitely it's always a, always yeah. a good question Sierra to Nevada ask Nevada have started to do it so I'm sure I'm sure it's possible yeah but, but yeah it's a lot of capital yeah and yeah so choice two um so I I I reckon my whole six could have been Belgian but I had to kind of um hold back and I wanted to make, I guess I kind of looked at it like if it was actually a, a six pack, you know, kind of like a tasting paddle. Like I wanted some variety and I wanted some different styles um, and also different uh, regions. So I've got two from Belgium and my second is Saison de Pont. Um, I just love Saisons. They're one of my favorite styles. I can drink them at any time anywhere I love them with food um I I just think they're such a amazing style with so many complexities and um you know whether they're floral or they're got lots of clove or pepper um I just find them really interesting and they differ so much but I mean Saison de Pont is the classic mm. example and it, it, it's one of those beers that it's actually one of those beers that when people tell me they don't like beer, I get them to try Saison de Pont because it's so delicate, but there's still so much going on at the same time. And I, like, I don't know that many people that don't love that beer. So, Yeah, I remember Saison as a style kind of becoming more popular maybe four years ago mm. or so. And that was the kind of the first beers that had a tartness and Mm. an edging towards a sourness and I do remember ordering some and lots of my friends ordering and them just being repelled by it completely yeah 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 yeah. um and now almost saison seems like a safe choice yeah totally when then it was like a real challenge so like you know you must have experienced that in a tap house where you know people go up they order beers and then it's it doesn't work out (laughs) yeah well my last beer the run back wrong crew i can't even tell you how many people brought it back at the tap house and told me that it was off Mm. like there's something wrong with this beer yeah (laughs) and well (laughs) (laughs) technically yes (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah at at the tap house you kind of um we're always encouraged to give people a taste like if someone Mm. Like, there's nothing worse than selling someone a beer and them not liking it. You know, for however much that makes you in your till, it's not worth it for the experience. Mm. Um, so we always encourage people to try before they buy, like, you know, especially if something's going to be a little more expensive. Um, it's kind of a hard balance because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to say to someone, like, oh, have you had a Saison before? Um, 
because I don't like that when people say that to me over a bar, like, oh, can I have that imperial stout? Like, oh, that's really strong. Have you had an imperial stout before? <laughs> so you kind of get used to how to speak to people there, I guess. Um, but yeah, a lot of people returned things. <laughs> yeah, but that is, it definitely is a tricky yeah. business, isn't it? When you mm. are, it's, as you say, because the, to me, there doesn't seem any way out because either you're patronizing the customer mm. Or you are not giving them enough information exactly. to purchase, yeah. um, you know, appropriately. Yeah. So I, I just don't see a way out of that really. But I think I, you used to just kind of say really casually like, oh, do you want to try that first? So they don't feel like, because who doesn't want to try something first? Like, it's free. Yeah, it's <laughs> like true. I used yeah. to just say to people like, it's free. Like, it's not a trick or anything. Like, <laughs> would you like to try it before you purchase it? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Uh, yeah. <laughs> who would have thought free beer would be the solution? Yeah. <laughs> so let's go for choice three. Um, this is another beer from Tap House Days. And I think if you probably asked it, anyone who has worked behind the bar at the local tap house this would be in their top six it is modus operandi former tenant red ipa is so well balanced the a lot i would actually say that red ipas are not one of my favorite styles which is funny because this beer is one of my favorite beers because i find that the balance between the malt and the hops are usually completely off i find that either um if they're not super fresh, the hops die and this like cloying sweetness comes from the malt, which I just am not really into sweet beers at all. Um, and or they're too bitter. Um, and this beer for 7.8% is one of the most balanced beers I've tasted. Um, and I remember because we got it quite early on uh, when Modus first started and it was just every single bartender's knockoff like everyone drank this beer and at 7.8 percent it was usually didn't always end up end well but um but it was well balanced it was well balanced. Yeah. It, too, even if the well people balanced. drinking it weren't too well balanced <laughs> yeah, afterwards exactly. yeah but i i just love it it's such a great beer and i i don't think i've tasted a red ipa as good as it in a long time and it was on the tap list for the 10th birthday celebrations at the Tap House. Yeah. Uh, I was actually at the bar um, with Froth Magazine, former guest of the show, Emily Day. Emily Day. And she just finished a f- IPA, a former tenant's IPA. Yeah. And I said, oh, what are you going to drink next? She said, former tenant. <laughs> 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 because That's she was like, <laughs> there's lots of other nice beers. But, um, and Emily, if you're listening, yeah. I do owe, owe you a beer because she bought me one. So, um, Emily, you owe me a beer as well. Yeah. Just cause. Well, maybe if I buy you a beer, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> then that cancels out. That so, um, yeah, so that's a very interesting uh, a beer that, as you say, the style can go wrong quite quickly. Mm. Um, but Modus are doing tremendous things with oh, a lot yeah, of their beers. Great, yeah. um, I actually had it with as a boiler maker with uh, Millstone, the Dutch uh, distillery, with um, a rye whiskey, Ooh. and it was tremendous. It's it uh, probably the best boiler maker. Boiler maker in my head, I was like rye. It would work with rye. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. it's it was the best. Yeah, <laughs> it was such an enjoyable experience. So. Um, Talking of that, um, you obviously preempting the, the what would be good to match beers with. Mm. You are a certified Cicerone. I am. 
now for uh, for few of my listeners who will not know <laughs> what that is what is it <laughs> what is a cicerone uh, a cicerone is the beer equivalent of uh, Somalia which is essentially um, a kind of accreditation in beer so it's like a beer expert so um, it has lots of different factors um, a large part of it is tasting um, and then there's everything from brewing to beer styles to food pairing to draft beer systems. Um, it's a bit of everything that you need to know if you're someone who serves beer. Now, you, you did kind of say expert as though it was just like, oh, you're like a beer expert, so it was a bit throwaway. But it's quite hard, isn't it? It's a, <laughs> quite a bit of it book studying and hard, science yeah. involved. It's yeah. not kind of just going through a tasting paddle and going, no. oh, that's an IPA and that's a Saison. Yeah. It's much more involved. So yeah. what is, which bits did you kind of not struggle with but have to uh, be on your game for? So, so, yeah, it's funny because you suddenly, you realise really quickly what your actual stre- strengths are. Um, and brewing I reckon I'm one of the only people in beer that doesn't want to be a brewer. Like, while it interests me, I, like, I'm never been into science. Like, I'm, I love everything about beer, but no part of me wants to be a brewer. And the Th- science there is a lot of it, cleaning as well as oh, a brewer. It's ninety percent it? cleaning. cleaning it's ninety so. percent cleaning. Do people even realize that? Like, who wants to be a cleaner ninety percent of the time? That you seldom see that on the on <laughs> no. a CCADs or on uh, yeah. crafty pints or jobs. No, you don't see the cleaning. Ninety percent cleaner required. You don't see the yeast exploding all over you. Yeah, um, but the science is something that I've always struggled with, and I I also sat the advanced cicerone in March last year in the states, and the science in the advanced is insane. Water chemistry you know, conversion, like sugar conversion. It, I, I struggle with that. And it's just because I'm not good at science. Um, whereas um, my tasting's pretty good. I've got a pretty good palate. Um, and through a lot of, like, work on it, um, you know, you do kind of um, tasting kits and you learn what off flavors are and how to um, pick them up and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give it another crack, hopefully, at the end of October. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah. And did you feel like the, it reflects your knowledge or that you the actual process actually drives your knowledge and you end up knowing a whole heap more than what you started with? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. definitely. I would recommend it for anyone who is really into beer. Like, and that was especially with the advanced. I was, you know studying and I was kind of struggling uh, at points and I was like well I'll learn a lot more than I knew so I'll just give it a crack and I did like the stuff that I learned from it was was crazy and um even the brewing stuff like while it's hard you know it's really interesting to you know some at some points in your Cicerone training you know a penny drops and you're like oh I get that. <laughs> so do you ever have do because you when, well, as soon as you know a lot about a topic you you can can become less tolerant of like flaws and 
you know, enjoyment in beer as well. So do, do you get the sense that sometimes knowing more actually has reduced your enjoyment of beer overall because you can go to places and you're like, oh, I can't drink that Absolutely. now because... Absolutely. I tell everyone that who is doing Cicerone, like, this will ruin some... It'll ruin some beer for you. Like, it'll ruin some places for you. Like, yeah. And, I, you know, I try, I try really hard not to be a snob because, you know, I actually, on the night of my advanced Cicerone, went to a dive bar in Santa Rosa and drank a pine can of PBR, and it was awesome. Because <laughs> it was all I wanted after all of that was to smash a PBR. But I try really hard not to be snobby, but sometimes, you know, if you can smell something or taste it, you, I just can't drink it. Yeah. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, you you are probably a beer snob and a bore at parties. <laughs> so that, that's I'm trying that's the audience I'm cultivating. Yeah, right. So uh, you're 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 one of those as well, a bore and a, a, a nerd at the party. And and, and also, you, it's worse because you're qualified. You can <laughs> show a piece of paper to say, you know, I, I actually know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I try not to. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, listen. You know, I can be nerdy at times, but like I said, like you know, every situation calls for a certain beer, and sometimes that beer is PBR. Yeah, and it's one <laughs> of those questions you must get asked this a lot as well. It's like, oh, what's your favorite beer? And that's an impossible question to ask yeah. because it it's whatever the moment and time yeah, is, and totally. that's what you're drinking. Mm. And so, um, talking of favorite beers, choice four. Choice four is Murray's Wild Thing Russian Imperial Stout. I love dark beers, um, whether it's a brown ale. And actually, um, I was just talking to my friend before, and we were like talking about this whole, the idea of this, and thinking about back in the day, you know, what beers got us into everything. And one that I that she mentioned, she was like, "You used to always drink Brooklyn brown ale," and I just thought. What a great beer that is. I haven't drank it in years and such a great beer. Um, but brown ales, porters, stouts, imperial stouts, I love them all. Um, however, Murray's Wild Thing Russian Imperial Stout, for me, um, is the best imperial stout, or was um, back when Sean Sherlock um, was there back in the day when that beer was out. Um, was like The balance was insane because, like I said before, I hate... I don't hate, but I don't really enjoy sweet beers that much. And a lot of the time when you drink a Russian Imperial Stout or an Imperial Stout, um, when that alcohol is large, there's this syrupy sweetness that I just personally don't enjoy. Um, and, you know, they're hot and the, the balance is all off for me, whereas this beer had this kind of roasty finish, this dry, roasty finish, and um, I, it's for... The ABV is such a drinkable beer. And they brought out a chocolate version at one point, which was, well, obviously chocolate is sweet. But um, again, it was still so well balanced considering. Um, and yeah, great beer. And what, what was, can you remember the ABV? That I one? can't. I think that the it might have changed double year figures? to year. I think it was double figures. I can probably, let me Google that for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there you go, you nerd. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sean Sherlock, who is now at Foghorn in uh, Newcastle, he's such a great guy, and he makes amazing beers, like Foghorn's beers, which unfortunately we don't get down here very often. 
um, are really, really great beers. Yeah, Sean was actually at the, I spoke to Sean at the 10th birthday. Yes. Uh, the Tap House. Well, it was so. overwhelming, the 10th birthday. Every time you turned around, there was, you yeah. know, some it was guess, craft guess beer who, celebrity. Uh, yeah, <laughs> guess who the craft beer scene. We were joking. We were like, if someone were to drop a bomb on this building right now, the craft beer <laughs> industry in Australia would be in trouble. <laughs> uh, 10%. Wow, so bang on. Bang on, yeah. So um, And it's uh, 99 out of 100 on rate beer there, Ner- for the nerds at home. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm presuming that's a good good score. That's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> so I'm taking the word of a certified Cicero, but uh, <laughs> it's important. Um, so not a big uh, sweet beer fan, but nope. like those darker styles, mm. that's quite a hard ask, isn't it? Because a lot of those brown ales, the porters, the, are, are kind of molasses, mm. uh, sweeter, toffee, caramel kind yep. of end. What's the perfect kind of balance for you in terms of um, I like roast, like, and I like dryness um, on the finish. Uh, so more like coffee roast for me than sweetness. Some brown ales obviously have a lot of sweetness too, and that hazelnut. Um, and caramel but it's all about balance for me every beer I drink I want it to be balanced I never want something to be too hoppy or too bitter or too malty or um, yeah I like my beers to be drinkable you know nothing worse than oh yeah that's good but I wouldn't have another one yeah (laughs) yeah well and and temperature as well with that category of beer you know most pubs are set up to have all the beers coming through that tap which has the frost on it yeah you know, Russian Imperial Stouts or yeah. even the lesser ones like Porters or um, Brown Ales, they're all coming through that same system. Yeah. Uh, it's very effective for hospitality reasons because mm-hmm. as soon as you heat it up, it starts to froth, it starts, you know, you yeah, have to be yeah. patient, all yeah. of those things. How do you, you know, manage in terms of if you're a venue that wants to serve appropriate temperature? That's really tricky, isn't it, from it a is. hardware point of view? It's really tricky. We are really lucky here at Stomping Ground. We have uh, two cool rooms. So we've got a cool room and a warm room. Um, but that's not really... No one really has that. We're lucky that we have that because we built the cool room. There wasn't a cool room here. It was just a warehouse. Um, and obviously there's like flux capacitors and there's all that kind of stuff where you can um, have your ta- all your taps at different... Um, temperatures i think garage project have that in wellington um but yeah unfortunately you don't like at the like the local we didn't have anything we used to just say if it was an imperial start or something like you know we would recommend that you let it warm up before you drink it yeah i'm yeah it's always nice to go in a pub where they understand what you're doing if you if you order the Mm. the you know that imperial stout yeah and then a a xpa or pale ale or whatever for you know um yeah, I have had some strange comments off friends. For I think it would be a classic. Um, so Justin Joyner, who's one of the owners of Stomping Ground, when you go to a cocktail bar with him, he orders a cocktail and a beer so that he can drink the beer before the cocktail comes. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the recommendation is if you're having a Russian Imperial Stout to order uh, another beer at the same time and drink it while you wait it to, for it to warm up. <laughs> so that, that's it. He's clearly an impatient man, Justin. <laughs> he's, he needs to... Uh, I, I'm impressed by it, but maybe he needs to relax a bit. But um, a little tip if Justin's listening, uh, order a vegetarian meal on a flight. Always gets there first. Yeah, I've heard yeah, that. That's a, that's yeah, that's a good one. Um, so, choice five. Sorry, Justin. <laughs> Deschutes, the dissident, Oud Brun. Um This is kind of a cop-out because 
it's it's a nude brand, so it's not a Flanders red like Rodenbach. But it tastes kind of like an imperial Rodenbach. There's been, I think every year the ABV is different. The one that I first drank was 11.4%, but tasted like Rodenbach Grand Cru, and I just was blown away by it. It probably had um, a lot more oak than Rodenbach Grand Cru, um, but it was just amazing. It's such an amazing beer. I know you don't get it over here very often, but if you do, if anyone listening does see it, it is the most beautiful beer um, just all of that kind of acetic and then the vanilla from the oak but again just the balance for an 11.4% beer is is really crazy um, it's a good choice and um, if uh, you are clearly from these beers as well <laughs> is you've had an exceptional opportunity for your own personal beer education and being exposed to so many um, quality beers and had the opportunity to access them and try them um you know on a kind of daily weekly basis if um if there was a a young cassie (laughs) o'neill coming over to australia next week yep and they want to be in your shoes they want to pursue the career obviously flying from canada via ireland (laughs) 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 then Uh. you know what what should they do how did they get to have a career in beer? So like I said, when I started the local, I, I didn't really know anything about beer. And I had been in hospitality for such a long time. And I kind of looked at this kind of fork in the road and was like, all right, you know, you're whatever age I was, 24, 25, something like that. And I was like, all right, you're in hospitality. You're either going to just be a bartender for the rest of your life <laughs> or look at this amazing place that you're working in, look at all these things that you can learn. Um, And yeah, I just kind of took the bull by the horns and thought, why not take advantage of um, such a good opportunity? And education is so important to the owners. um, And that was always kind of put into us. If you want to learn more, if you want to do Cicerone, if you want to do this, you want to do that, um, it's all there for you if you want to do it. So... um, I mean, also, tasting is, you know, number one. I try and taste as many different beers as I can, um, whether or not I like them or like the styles. Um, And that was part of Cicerone um, and a big part that actually changed a lot of stuff for me too was tasting beers that I never really drank. So um, British beers or German beers... Obviously, we don't get them as much over here, but I, you know, would kind of go out and try to find these styles that were kind of not as common here, and ended up finding some of the, some of my favorite styles by doing that. So I guess it's being a bit more adventurous and uh, trying things that are outside of your comfort zone. And you, you must get to the point where you kind of feel, you know, you drink a beer and you personally don't like it, but on the parameters that you know, you mm. can respect. That's a really good example oh, of the style, yeah. even though I don't like it yeah, personally. Totally. There's, I, um, I cop a lot for this, but I just have never had a black IPA that I've liked. I just don't like them. I personally find that, like I've said a couple of times, the balance is off. I find them too astringent, too bitter, but I'm aware that they're some of some people's favorite styles, and I'm aware that they're not bad, um, like... Um, 
is it feral karma citra is like a favorite beer of some of like lots of people that I've worked with in the past and I just can't I just can't enjoy it but I know that it's a good beer um but yeah that's just personal preference really yeah and uh I suppose it, it is it's just um one of those things where it, it, that's part of the education isn't it where you you are able to kind of go on a night out where you do you know you have a beer but you're not rather than saying that's a horrible beer that's a terrible beer you're saying well actually it's a pretty good beer I just don't, I just don't like, like it, it. <laughs> which yeah, is which is the quite... same as anything in life you know I don't like coriander but lots of other people do <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah actually uh I interviewed um Colby Chandler from Ballast Point mm. in Stomping Ground um okay. last year when he was over Good Beer Week and uh, he was talking about using coriander in uh, their beer what they did with Pirate Life oh, yeah. and I'm not a coriander fan no, but their beer it. was sensational yeah <laughs> but, devil's hurt cause, yeah because you can't <laughs> uh, you can't taste it yeah. um, <laughs> which is why it's nice so uh, choice six so I'm actually this was outside of my six but now I'm going to change things up and I'm going to throw it in it's pretty wild this is wild <laughs> this is real wild and this might upset the beer nerds <laughs> My beer number six is Stone and Wood Pacific Ale. And the reason being that I am not from here. I'm from Canada. <laughs> and uh, no, I, um, this beer for me is the quintessential Australian beer. This beer makes me think of Australia. It was probably the first Australian craft beer I drank when I came here. And just like Road and Back Ron Crew, it was like nothing I'd ever tasted before the you know that galaxy the passion fruit and I still drink it and I still think it is an amazing beer and I see people who are like oh you know it's so mainstream but it's an independently made beer that is still an amazing beer like what's you know what's wrong with that yeah, I see uh, bits on social media when I've got yeah. the patience to mm. kind of which are kind of uh, saying it, there's no flavour there. There's no, you know, the, it's too weak. It's not got enough um, about it. I actually think, uh, on the contrary, I think it's absolutely one for the beer nerd because it's what is it, four point four percent? It's really easy to drink. It's got enough interest to keep you coming back for more. Yeah, and it's actually that is going to be, you know, and already has been the first quality craft beer Absolutely. that a lot of Australians have ever drank. Yeah. And that is the Trojan horse. If that gets them to- drinking, like we, that was another thing we used to always talk about, the gateway beer. If that's a beer that gets someone in two years' time drinking a double IPA, what's wrong with that? And, you know, they're a great company. They make great beers. All of their beers are good. I love it. And it's, again, you know, showcasing an Australian hop, which is now, you know gone crazy and also I think since then how many other breweries have tried to make their Pacific Ale and for me none of them have ever stood up to the original beer. And I think the one of the really lovely selling points about Stone and Wood which probably is I don't know whether it's really talked about enough but how geographically appropriate Absolutely. it is Byron Bay yeah. with a Stone and Wood when is I just. that beer I feel like I've just like, you know, not that I surf, but I feel like I should. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of uh, a, a big uh, beer company uh, from a place you'd rather be. Yeah. But I actually think 
that does it so yeah, well. Totally. And um, yeah, uh, of course, it's derided by certain uh, parts of the uh, community. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but I actually think it comes back to that. What we were saying is that you know you know a lot about beer you've tried a lot of different beers but appreciate for what it is and and which where it actually should sit in a barbecue or you know i'm not going to a barbecue and uh drinking russian imperial stouts from seven till ten o'clock at night i'm giving my uh my lifestyle away there (laughs) ten ten o'clock is the cut off (laughs) so i just think it's a beer that should be respected i think it's a well-made beer which um, showcases awesome Australian ingredients by an awesome company who are still independently owned. And, I, yeah, I guess I don't understand the hate. Yeah, and I think last month they just announced that they're actually going to be owned by their employees, employees yeah. which is, you know, never hear of that no. in the modern day. It's yeah. extraordinary. And I think that should you know i'm i'm sure the financial review covered it uh you know but you know it should be talked about more i think as well um those of us who are lucky enough to know people i've never met someone from stonewood who works for stonewood who isn't the nicest person i've ever met (laughs) it's quite disturbing that isn't it because ethos and great vibes about every single person you meet who works for stonewood there is uh yeah i i agree and um i think they might be made in a factory yeah i think they just turn them out like these lovely lovely people (laughs) yeah it's one of those i think i'm always kind of suspicious for the first couple of minutes and i'm like come on what's going on here and then after a few minutes i'm i just buy into it completely (laughs) i'm just like oh yeah take me to your your, (laughs) take me to your leader (laughs) so so you also, uh, Cassie, you've took us on a really good beer journey here. So um, tell us about, before you talk about your beer snack and also the receptacle you're going to drink the beers out of, um, could you just mention a couple of the beers that didn't quite make the six but are still close to your heart? Yeah. Um, one of them is a stomping ground beer. I didn't want to be that person who chose their own beer. Um, but the beer is Pridelweiss, Australian wheat ale, um, and that's a beer that's very close to my heart, um, a beer that we released last January in kegs, um, and then this January in cans, and um, basically we donated um, X amount to uh, Midsummer Futures, which is an LGBT uh, mentoring program, and I'm from the LGBT community, so... um, Myself and Steve kind of came up with this awesome idea of having a beer that um, represents those people. And I think everything that's happened in the last 12 months, it is, I don't know, it was really important to me and to see how much money we were able to raise and to see, to be in pubs and seeing a tradie drinking out of a rainbow tinny was really awesome for me. Yeah, and I think also you managed to get it. It was in the Sydney Meyer Music Bowl as well. It was is in that the right? Sydney Meyer well? Music yeah. Bowl, which wasn't really meant to be, but it was. It was basically we have a really cool relationship with the Arts Centre, um, 
and we did some stuff with them for White Knight. And they had some stock left over, so they used it. But I, everyone, it, it felt like that night that every single person in Melbourne was seeing the National, and I was getting all these, except for me, uh, unfortunately. And I was getting all these picture messages like, I'm drinking a Pride Advice while watching the National at Sydney Myer Music Bowl. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Now, Pr- Pride Advice came um, around before the the plebiscite. Did, and the yeah. And so that, to me, when I saw that, that the can, first off, is just an amazing design. It yeah, just it makes is, you happy. It does, It's yeah. so bright and, yeah. and beautiful, the can. And then um, to have... Your employer to kind of back you and also a community which yeah. quite easily they could say, oh, you know, we don't want to scare off a proportion of customers Absolutely. or we yeah. don't want to fall on one side yeah. or the other. We'll yeah. wait till things pan out. For them to actually put the stake in the ground and say, yeah. you know, that must have been pretty... At no point did any of them, like say oh I don't know like that might be at no point did anyone have that they were like that's a great idea we should definitely do that like we try to do a lot of stuff for our community we try to you know represent people who aren't always represented Um, like we did the Movember campaign we raised 75 grand for Movember for men's health Um, and yeah for them it was just like yeah definitely let's do it and then the yes party when the yes vote was finally announced finally um we we were lucky because we had done Pride Advice before everything, and I think people you know realized that we were legit. Um, we were asked to do the Yes Party on Ligon Street, where there were like ten thousand people there in the rain, and we were pouring beers, and it was like one of the best moments of my life, I reckon, because we were you know lucky enough to be there with all these people celebrating. It was such a great night. Yeah, it was an absolutely wonderful day in in Melbourne, and uh, quite. Quite emotional. I remember my office was quite emotional oh, I, I about was, it, and yeah, I was um, <laughs> yeah, just watching the footage, and uh, yeah, so you know, really special. And um, in terms of supporting the community as well, and and craft beer being a force for good, beer is blokey, still is in Australia, yeah. um, you know. And I kind of. Uh, Look at my um, follow on Instagram, the Chosen Brews follow. It's like 75 cent male who yeah. follow. Um, it still is blokey. So to be able to support and, and push for more people and maybe marginalized or you know, minority mm. groups and to actually use beer for the, the for inclusion good. and what yeah. it should be about, which is, totally. you know, having conversations, talking, breaking down barriers, hopefully... Uh, you know, every conversation gets uh, forward and we get some progress and maybe yeah. every podcast episode <laughs> as well. So, um, Now, um, snack to go with these six beers? Uh, <laughs> when I, I was reading about the Deschutes dissident, Ude Brune, earlier and the owner of Deschutes, I think his name's Gary Fish, he recommended to drink the dissident with mac and cheese and I just thought that that was amazing <laughs> and I was like well you know what isn't good with mac and cheese because Rodenbach Roncrew is awesome with cheese cuts through any creaminess Saison de Pont is great with cheese so I mean I would be really happy if I had any of those beers and mac and cheese so my snack is mac and cheese that is probably <laughs> the most versatile <laughs> snack as well yeah totally and sometimes hard to get right, but mm. when it is, 
done well. So, so right. Very special. And um, your receptacle to drink the beers out of? You can't. You just can't go wrong with a tulip. Everything tastes good out of a tulip, in my in my opinion. Something with a stem. I, when I'm tasting beers, um, not necessarily drinking beers, I actually usually drink out of a wine glass because you just get better aroma. But, um, yeah, I drink out of a tulip. Like, yeah. If this was on video, I'm pointing <laughs> at my glass right now, and it's a tulip. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a, it's, it's a very robust Do you know what, tulip, Yeah, well, you know it? what it's we good. call these? Tundi which is a stomping ground word for rotund because it's kind of a round tulip. It has a look of the, the fat controller it does, about yeah. it and yeah. with the boots as well, yeah. with the stomping ground boots. Yeah. Um, now, before we uh, bring the episode to a close, a couple of important things. Uh, who designed the barcode on the stomping ground pail? Because <laughs> that is, I, I only noticed awesome, it the right? other day and I was like, I can't not see it. And the, so the barcode is a representation of the building here. I think everyone should go and buy a stomping ground can and, and then look at the barcode. No, um, <laughs> it is. So the warehouse that stomping ground is in has a sawtooth roof. Um, and it was actually apparently potentially going to be one of the names of the brewery, something to do with sawtooth or something. Um, I wasn't part of that process. Um, but if you look at the back of our core range cans... Salty sounds like a dentistry, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, I know. Glad that I didn't choose that one. Um, if you look at the back of our core range cans, there's a little illustration of the brewery, and it has a sawtooth, and the barcode also has a sawtooth, and actually our decals have sawtooth as well. Sawtooth? Sawtooth? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cute. And also, you, you, are your neighbours afraid... Because you kind of <laughs> you, you you're kind of knocking through walls, uh, and uh, are you going to one day just knock through a wall, and there's going to be an upset mechanic, or you know, you kind of. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's it's cool, to, and obviously that was part of um, getting this place was the ability to um, expand. You know, I think we've all seen breweries who have expanded really quickly, and then they're like, oh. Um, it's such a, I live in Collingwood, so I'm very biased, but, um, we're in such a great neighborhood, everything that you could want around here. And it's really cool for us to be a neighborhood brewery and get people excited about it again, because a hundred years ago, there were like 30 something breweries in this area. Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. So where can people find something around if they want to come? Uh, it is on Gipp Street in Collingwood, 100 Gipp Street. Um, it is near Collingwood Station. Uh, just don't drive because the parking is really bad. <laughs> you, you don't want to drive anyway, do well, you? Well, I really? know. Who drives Come to a brewery anyway? Yeah. And, um, and also, we talked a lot about the tap house, which is in... St Kilda? Yeah. Yep. Balaclava, St Kilda border. Yep. The, and um, on just off Chapel Street. And where can people find you online? Uh, stompingground.beer excellent yeah well thanks so much cassie for making the time to speak particularly uh right in the run-up we're recording this literally days before good beer week so we're all taking deep breaths i um think that you should be glad that you aren't doing it after good beer week i think i'm better now than i would be um, in the couple of weeks <laughs> maybe, after Good Beer Week. <laughs> maybe we could do a follow-up episode. Maybe we should do a before and after. <laughs> the six beers you'll never drink again. <laughs> <laughs> the six Gabs beers I'll never drink again. Or like my six beers after Good Beer Week, which is like 
Corona, Asahi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all tasted. No hops, no sour beers, please. <laughs> well, thanks so much, and uh, been an absolute pleasure to talk. talk. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure for you to talk us through your <laughs> six beers that changed everything. So thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ian. Cheers. So that was it, Cassie O'Neill from Stomping Ground and someone who's going to be very, very busy over the next week or so with Good Beer Week amongst an already very busy schedule at Stomping Ground because they're really kicking goals and uh, doing fantastic things in Collingwood. You'll see Cassie around uh, during Gab's Beer Festival. You'll see her around Good Beer Week as well and beyond. Make sure if you do see her make sure you thank her for a tremendous podcast there and sharing her insight and knowledge thanks so much for listening to the podcast make sure you rate it on itunes follow us on twitter facebook instagram all of those things and make sure you share it with your friends that's the best way we can grow the podcast so Here is the trailer for my new podcast with my friend Justin Price called The Wheel of Sport. We've only had a couple of episodes out so far covering some of the most wonderful sporting moments that have ever happened. Thanks for listening again. I'm sure we'll talk soon. I'm Ian McNally. And I'm Justin Price. And this is The Wheel of Sport, brought to you by the Turnstile Network. It's an unscripted, nostalgic journey through our sporting past. Each episode, we'll spin the wheel, packed with topics, head-to-head, against all odds, golden moments, and many more. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and listen to our great mates on the Turnstile Network. See you next time on The Wheel of Sport. That's pretty good, that, Justin. Thanks.